Damn, you need to come check us out. All right. Well, today we're beginning a brand new series of messages, and I'm excited about this one. I got to tell you, this has been building in me for a while, and calling this series Built Different. Have you ever heard that before, Built Different? What we're going to do in this series of messages is I'm, I'm going to share with you some of the secrets to have a healthy heart, a healthy soul, and a healthy mind. And I, I use that phrase secrets intentionally because that's what it feels like, doesn't it? When, when you see something that somebody else has, like a skill they have, a, a something about them, a, a charisma or a strength, you kind of want to know, like, what? What's your secret? Like, what is it you do? How are you able to stand? How are you able to do that? How are you able to endure? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at God's word, and I'm going to share with you really a a new blueprint for living. And I want to encourage you to to make it a point to come every week in the series because each week is going to build on the next. This is going to level up your leadership. It is going to increase your peace. It is going to make your efforts more effective. Most importantly, it's going to help you grow spiritually. How many of you want to grow spiritually? That's half of you. Most of us want to grow spiritually. We want to become who God wants us to become, and that's what we're going to do. So today, what I'm doing is laying the groundwork, because if we want God to build something in our life, we first have to establish a foundation, and that's what God wants to do. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. We're going to begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. We'll all follow along together, put the words on the screen so we can be on the same page. But if you don't have a Bible, let me just encourage you to download the Bible app. You can get a free Bible on your phone or iPad by going to Bible.com. And it's a great resource. It's what I use to read the Bible 90% of the time. There's Bible plans on there. In fact, I have a new Bible plan, a devotion that you can engage with. It's going to be coming out in a few weeks that I'll tell you about. But th- there's lots of great resources on there so you can get a free Bible that way. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is writing to a church that's in trouble. Now the church itself is not so much in trouble. It's really the people that are in trouble. The, the, the people are in trouble because they're becoming divided and distracted at everything that's going on. The, the church itself is, is a young church, the church that's growing, but they've gotten so distracted and divided over issues that Paul's writing to them to bring them back to what matters, to bring back their focus to Jesus. He says, look, you're looking at it all wrong. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It always will be about Jesus. Somebody should tell him to do a message called Ever Unto Jesus, which is last week. But he spends the first six chapters dealing with the problem and then pointing them to a solution. And then when you get to chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, that's where we're going to look, he, he begins to respond to some specific questions that this church had asked him about. They had written him a letter, and so he says, I'm going to respond to those questions now. And at the heart of all their questions in chapter 7, what they really want to know is what's the best way and right way to serve God? Because everybody has an opinion. That's what they're divided over. And that's why they're, they're getting distracted. And, 
They want to know, Paul, is it better to do this or is it better to do that? And the truth is all of us have our own version of this question. Now, now their question in context, they said, Paul, we want to know, is it better to be married to serve God or is it better to be single to serve God? And like, if it is better to be single, like, what's that mean for the married people? Like, should we try to become single? Like, there's asking all these random questions. And that might not be your question, but we all have a version of it where we want to know, God, is it better to do this or is it better to do that? Like, should I take this job or should I stay where I am? Should I try and go after a different opportunity or do I need to develop in what I'm doing? What do I need to do to be effective? God, how can I serve you? What, what, do you, what does God want? God, what, what do you want from me? And Paul wants to squash all of that in verse 17. He says, only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them and to which God has called them. This is my rule in all the churches. Verse 21, he says, were you a bondservant when called? Well, don't be concerned about it. Look, if you can gain your freedom, great, go for it. Avail yourself of the opportunity. But for the one who is called in the Lord as a bondservant, they're a freed person of the Lord. Likewise, one who's free when called is a bondservant of Christ. In verse 24, he says, So brothers and sisters, in whatever condition each was called, there let them remain with God. So he's saying, look, I, I hear you. You're asking me about all these conditions, and you're wanting to know which condition is better. Is it better to serve God like this, or is it better to serve God like that? But I want you to know that God can use you in whatever condition he has called you. That's, that's the heart of what he says. And I want to use this text to speak to you today from this subject, conditioning your calling. Conditioning your calling. That's the title of this message. If you want to take notes, I want to talk about conditioning your calling. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word conditioning. Maybe where your mind goes is you begin to think of social and psychological behavior modification, social conditioning or psychological, or how, you know, things are rewiring our brains. Maybe that's what you're thinking about. Maybe um, you're, you're thinking about hair care. And you're thinking, like some of you, like my son, he, he's got long hair. I, I need him to think about conditioning because it just looks like this mop on his head. I love you, Reese. But um, when I think of conditioning, what I think of more than anything is exercise. Anybody with me on that? Particularly exercise that I don't want to do. Any exercise that I don't want to do, I think of conditioning. And the reason I think of that is because when I was... In school, I would go out for sports, and without fail, the first practice of whatever sport I was in had something called conditioning, which is really just code for running. I don't know if you know this, I'm not a runner. I hate running. You say, hate's a strong word. I know, that's just how I feel about it. I, uh, whenever I run, I just feel like I'm being chased by my own poor life choices. That's... It's what it feels like. Running is punishment for something that you didn't even do. That's why it's like, you know, when somebody messes up, they're like, start running. That's how I feel when I run. And 
you know, it's crazy because I look like where I live, my neighborhood, I see people outside running all the time and, you know, they look the part and they look like they're having a good time and they're, do, you know, doing their thing. And every time I see them, all I can think about is how many steps it's going to take me to get from the couch to the fridge. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it doesn't count as conditioning. And, uh, and I, whenever I bring this up, people come up to me after the service like, running's not that bad. Like all the runners come up to me. You haven't seen me run. Like the last time I went for a jog, I had a lady in a scooter pass me. She just looked at me like, hang in there, buddy. You'll make it. But needless to say, I've, I've gotten aversion to conditioning. And that's kind of where the Corinthian church is, is at. Conditioning at, at its core, there, it's used for preparation and development. It's used to bring something into a desired state. And that was the question of the church at Corinth, that they didn't like their situation that they were in. And people were arguing over what circumstance is better to serve God. And the result of all this arguing is a bunch of excuses as to why they couldn't serve God, as to why they couldn't follow Paul's instructions. And so they thought, you know, maybe if we had a different situation, maybe if we had a different circumstance, then we could serve God. And I've noticed we do the same thing in our life, where we place our walk with God and our faith in God under certain conditions. Here's what I mean. Like, if this works out, God, I'm in. I'll do it. God, if this goes my way, then I know it's your will. I, I know you're in it. God, if, if this happens, well, then I'll give you my best. But God, if this doesn't go well, well, I'm not going to trust you with this part of my life. God, if this doesn't go the way I want, then I don't know that you're trustworthy. And, you know, if things don't work out the way I expect, then I'm not sure that you're going to get my best. And Paul's saying, look, your conditions don't matter as much as you think they do because it's not your circumstances that determine whether or not you can do God's will. It's your conditioning to your calling. Now, I need to unpack that word calling for a moment because I've found that a lot of people get frustrated with the word calling. And I, I get it. I, I understand it. Like, Honestly, the way I hear most people talk about calling, it's more of a construct than it is scripture, than it is a Bible idea. And I'm not trying to dismiss the idea of calling. I believe in it because it's helpful if it causes you to view what you're doing with more purpose. That's, that's a good thing. But on the other hand, I recognize that the idea of calling can be frustrating for people because it lends itself to this idea that you have to figure it out, you got to find it, you got to discover it, and if you miss it, you will mess up your life. And so I want to help us today understand this concept of calling so that we can have confidence that where we are is where God wants us and where we are is where God can use us. So what is a calling? Well, I asked ChatGPT. This is where I go for all my theological study. 
It's not true. But ChatGPT did say this. said, a calling typically refers to a strong inner urge or sense of purpose that drives a person to pursue a particular career, life path, or vocation. And that might be true. But I would tell you that a calling is more than simply a path for your life. In fact, if you try to relegate a calling to simply the itinerary that God has for your life, you will do yourself and other people a disservice. Because when I look at Scripture, the Bible does not have that idea. In fact, what you often see with Scripture is that most of the people God called, specifically called, what they ended up called to and what they ended up doing looks nothing like what they had expected or what they had envisioned. Think about Joseph for a minute. Joseph, the coat of many colors, Joseph, not Joseph, Mary's husband, Joseph. Joseph in the, in the Bible, he, he was the favorite son. And of all the people in scripture, Joseph had a very clear vision of God's future for his life. At a young age, God gave him a dream gave him two dreams. And in one of his dreams, he saw himself with his family around him. And this dream, they were like in the sky and, and his parents were the, the sun and the moon and his siblings were constellations. And he saw himself at the center and they were all bowing down. And Joseph interpreted that dream and Joseph had a knack for interpreting dreams. He interpreted that dream as he was meant to be the star, the star of the show. What you find, though, is that on his way to get there, it looked nothing like what he expected. And when he finally was at the center, it wasn't so that he could be the star. It was so that he could serve. See, where a lot of us miss it is we fall in love with a fantasy. We end up marrying a mirage. And once the reality of our life hits, we wonder why we feel divorced from our destiny. Because what you envision and what you think about calling isn't really the way the Bible talks about calling. So I want to help you understand what calling is. And and to help with this idea, first thing understand that we have many callings. We have many callings, not just one thing for your life. Like in my life, I'm called to be a dad. I'm called to be a son. I'm called to be a husband, called to be a brother. I'm called to be a pastor. You know, the truth is, I will not be a pastor all of my life. Does that mean I'm out of my calling now, or when that happens, I'll be out of my calling? No, because your calling is specific, yes, but it's multifaceted. And what I've found about calling is that you're called to a place. You're called for a time. You have a calling for a people. You have a calling for a person. And I just want to be clear that A calling is not the one thing that you are meant to do with your life. And maybe just recognizing that and understanding that will bring a sigh of relief to everyone who feels pressured to find it. Or for those of you that want to roll your eyes every time you hear somebody say that you need one. But on the other hand, I also want to be clear that you do have a calling. You have a calling from God. You, specifically you, something that God has designed you for. It's specific, regardless of your age, regardless of your stage, regardless of your season of life. 
God has something in mind for you. And if you fail to recognize that, you will miss out on the significant and beautiful opportunity that God wants to use you in. You have a calling. So let me quickly build a case for calling. We're just look at a few scriptures real quick. Uh, I'm going to go uh, fast. Romans 1, verse 1, Paul's writing to the Roman church. And Paul, the guy we're looking at in 1 Corinthians, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Recognize, Paul had a specific calling. He was called to be an apostle. Just like you can be called to be something. He, he saw that. He recognized it. In fact, in the book of Acts, we, we see that. God called him, appeared to him on the road to Damascus. He sent him to a man named Ananias. He said to Ananias, hey, Paul is coming your way. Saul, at the time, is coming your way. I have chosen him as an instrument for my divine purpose to proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. Paul had a specific call as an apostle, but not just an apostle. You look at Ephesians 4, verse 1. We were in Ephesians 3, 21 last week. The very next verse is right here. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord. He doesn't consider himself an apostle there. Paul even saw purpose in the prison. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So since you know the direction your life is supposed to go ever unto Jesus, I want you to live a life that is worthy of that calling. 2 Thessalonians verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 11, he says, With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. See, I like this one because sometimes you think, well, I get a calling, it's God, it's his purpose. And he says, hey, it's not just about his purpose. Even your desires, the, the good ones, I'm praying that God will bring those to pass in your life. The, the things that you're believing God for, the things that you are trusting him in, the, that's the deeds prompted by faith. I'm believing that God is going to build that in your life. One more, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So in the same breath that Paul says he saved us, the very same breath he says he called us. He called us to a holy calling. And this was something he had in mind before time even began. And I know that's just a few verses, but understand that there are over 100 verses in Scripture that talk about calling. And so for something it seems like God wants to be clear on, I get concerned whenever I see people confused about it. Because I hear people say all the time, well, how am I supposed to know if God's in this? Man, it frustrates me when I hear about calling. It's like, I mean, I feel called today, but what if I don't feel called tomorrow? And you know, what if God changes his mind? What if I change my mind? What if I mess it up? What if I miss out? And that's why I like what Paul said to the Corinthian church. Let's look at it one more time. Verse 17 says, let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them and to which God has called them, this is my rule in all the churches. Because see, I think a better word than calling is assignment. Assignment. You have an assignment. You might have multiple assignments, but make no mistake about it, you have an assignment. An assignment from God, a God-given assignment. What is your assignment? Well, I don't know exactly, but I know one thing about your assignment. It is either to a people 
or to a person. Think about this for a minute. Moses, he had an assignment. He was assigned by God to be a deliverer for the nation of Israel. Aaron, Aaron was assigned to Moses to help him. Esther, Esther had an assignment to save the Jews from destruction. Mordecai, he was assigned to Esther to be a guide and help give some direction to her. There's all sorts of assignment. We saw Paul's assigned to the Gentiles. Timothy was assigned to Paul. You have an assignment. And what I need you to get in your spirit today is somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. God planned you. You are not an accident. Your life is not an accident. Somebody needs you, a person or a people. And you don't need different conditions to fulfill it or to serve God. What you need is to condition your calling. And I want to give you some ways you can do that this morning. I'm going to give you five. I'm going to go through them super quick. So if you're taking notes, you're going to have to write fast. This is going to apply to you whether you are a dad, a mom, a business leader, an entrepreneur, a teacher, a student, a coach, an athlete, a sister, a brother, a husband, a wife, a Christian. This is going to apply to the assignment that God has given you. Whatever your assignment is, you want to condition your calling, you got to start this way. you got to become passionate about the purpose. Become passionate about the purpose. Last week, I gave you your why. I want to remind you of that again. Your why needs to matter to you. You need to understand it. Now, there is an overarching why to everything that we do, which is ever unto Jesus. It is to God be the glory. It is regardless of what I'm facing in my life. It is for the glory of God. My life is moving in his direction. That's my why. I understand that. I talked about that last week. But I want to encourage you in your specific assignment, in your specific call that God has given you, you need to think about your personal why. Like in my life, as a dad, God has called me to be a dad. And of course, it's for the glory of God. I get that. But he has given me some specific kids. Why? Because he wants me to raise them up to be future leaders, to be world changers. It means that God saw what they need and he saw what I have and he has placed them in my family so I can instill God's word into them, so I can instill values into them, so I can bring correction when needed and direction when needed. That's my why. Why? Why am I doing this? I'm passionate about that purpose. I, I know as a, as a husband, God brought me and Marissa together, right? So what does that mean? It means I am in this relationship. I'm ordained by God to lead, to serve, to protect. Well, what does that mean as a servant? It means it's no longer about my preferences, right? You give up your preferences as a servant. So it's not about just what's good for me. It's how can I serve? It's my job to cultivate the good things in her, to bring the best out of her. Ephesians 5 talks about that. It means that I see us as a team, that God called us together, that we're moving forward together. How about just when you talk about team, think about team here. Like all of you who serve on the team, you need to know why what you're doing matters. You need to understand it. It needs to matter to you. Like this reality that there are people in heaven because you serve. Some of you think, well, but I'm just like holding the door. I'm just greeting people. Yeah. And imagine what this place would be if there was nobody to greet people when they walked in. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'm just like moving some knobs and running the sound and all of that. Yeah, but imagine what this would be. It would be different if we didn't have people working to create atmosphere. Aren't you grateful for the worship team who helps set the atmosphere and lead us in worship? Some are like, yeah, but I just, I help with the, the kids and, you know, I serve in the kids. Yeah, can you imagine if this place, we didn't have a kids ministry? 
I definitely would not preach as good, I tell you that. So can we just give it up for the kids' ministry? Like put our hands together and make sure they hear us? You serving makes it possible for people to know Jesus. Beyond that, it honors God. It serves God. God is glorified. It is an act of worship. And there is nothing greater we can do with our life than to build the church. There's nothing greater. Let me give you a little just pro tip to apply to all of your relationships. You want to draw close to someone. You, you want to build a relationship with them. Care about what they care about. You want to draw close to God. What does God care about? He cares about his church. There's a thing that Jesus said that he was building. Jesus loved it so much that he calls the church his bride. You want to draw close to God? Care about what he cares about. He cares about the church. When I'm passionate about the purpose, I'm saying, I understand why this matters, and it matters to me. Next one, become committed to the cause. What's it mean to be committed to the cause? Well, if this is an assignment, it means I'm determined to see this through to completion. I, it won't be forever, but I am committed to it until it's done. And the reason I said we're laying a foundation today is because when you understand your calling, it will settle some things in your heart. See, God wants you to be built different, but he cannot build anything in a life that is unsettled. And this applies to all of us, but I specifically want to speak to those under 35 for a minute. Because some of you, you're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here. Like, I, I, I don't know, you know, if, uh, if, if this is really for me. I don't know if I should be doing something else. Like, I like these friends, but I like that opportunity. You know, I like this person, but I like that environment. And so what you do is you never commit to anything because, well, I just want to keep my options open. And what if something better comes along? And that kind of thinking tells me that you don't understand calling because calling is in assignment. A lot of us, we keep our future in our friend zone because we will never commit to a calling. It means, when you understand calling, it means God has something for me here. It means I know God has something for me here. It means I know how God wants to use me here. It means I will let God use me here. Doesn't mean that where you're at is always going to check the boxes on all your preferences. Little newsflash. Nothing is ever going to check the box on all your preferences. If it does, it is not reality. That's called a fantasy. This is actually what the same concept I'm talking about is what Jesus said to Peter. Now, Peter, he was the rock. That's what Peter means. You know how he got that name? Because he used to be called Simon. Simon means reed. Think about what a reed is. A, a reed is shaky, unstable. A, a reed blow, goes wherever the wind blows. That's what a reed does. So one, way, one, one day you're leaning this way, the next day you're leaning that way. That was Simon. Simon was shaky, unsettled, unstable. But when he had a revelation of who Jesus was, Jesus said to him, you know, you used to be called Simon. You used to be called Reed. You used to be called shaky. But guess what? Now I'm calling you Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And God is looking for some people to settle some things in their heart before he can build what he wants to build in your life. And I'll just say one more thing on this thought. God made places before he made people. So where you're at matters. 
Part of growing means being planted. And God wants you planted in a church. He wants you established in a place because you can't grow the way you want to grow and the way you need to grow if you are not planted. But if you will plant yourself in the house of the Lord, you will prosper. So you got to settle in your heart. you got to be committed to the cause. You have to be established in a place so that God can build in you what he wants to build. Here's the next one. Become responsible for the results. This was the problem at Corinth. They wanted to make excuses as to why they couldn't follow Paul's instruction, as to why they couldn't follow the way of Jesus that Paul had already laid out. And their tendency was to blame things. They said, Paul, I know this is the expectation. Paul, or maybe I didn't know the expectation. Or Paul, this is my circumstance. But when you understand your assignment, it means that you know what success looks like means you know what the expectation is. And God is not going to give you an assignment that you can't accomplish. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be easy. The assignment might be big. The assignment might be hard. That's why you need God. He doesn't want you to do it in your own strength. He does want you to depend on him. But I promise you, if he has given you an assignment, you can fulfill it. Just think about this as a Christian for a moment. Because God has given you a personal responsibility to share the gospel with others, to let your life be a witness, just like we sang in that song. That is a responsibility for every Christian. And if you just think, well, okay, that's the pastor's job or that's the church's job, that tells me that you do not understand a calling. Because one of the things about your assignment is that it is your assignment. You can't use somebody else's homework on this one. You, you, you have to do the work yourself. And God has given it to you for you to fulfill. You are responsible for the results. When you see that, when you become that, that's how you condition your calling. Let me give you the fourth one. You'll know you've accepted your assignment when you're fulfilled by the work. Fulfilled by the work. A story that illustrates this so well is in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus, he's returning to Galilee, but he has to stop in Samaria. And we find out in John 4 why he has to stop in Samaria because he has a divine appointment with a Samaritan woman. He's on his way. Scripture says he gets tired, decides to sit by a well, sends his disciples to go get him some food. While he's sitting there, this woman comes up. He begins to converse with her. He reveals to her in the way that only God can the state of her sin, points her to himself, and then releases her to go be a preacher and share the good news. While he's wrapping up the conversation, his disciples come back. He sent them to go get some five guys burgers and fries. They're back now. And it says in verse 31 that after they returned, they urged him, Rabbi, eat something. He said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Now they're thinking, did somebody bring him some Chick-fil-A or Chipotle? Like how did, how did, why doesn't he need what we got? Look at verse 34. My food, Jesus said is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In other words, when you understand your assignment, when you're doing what God has called you to do, it fills you. This is fulfilling for me. And if you really get this, it will change the way you look at what you do because for one thing, you won't be working for money as a reward. You'll see money as a resource. It's completely different Completely. See, a lot of us, we work to make money. Money's not bad. That's awesome. But your assignment isn't to make money. The money is for your assignment. 
It's where your compensation isn't a reward for what you do. It is a resource so you can do what you do. Just personally speaking, I would do this for free. I'm glad I don't have to because it makes me a lot more available to you. But I would do it for free. And your calling that God has, your assignment, it fills you. When you're fulfilled by the work, and the greatest way to develop this is the last one. I'll give this to you. It's when you become grateful for the opportunity. Grateful for the opportunity. Here's a truth about calling. Is that all of us have been given an opportunity. Despite what it looks like, even if you don't like the assignment that you've been given, let me assure you, it is a divine opportunity. And the greatest way I can illustrate this is, is with the story. And Transparently, I'll give you a heads up, it's a bit of a painful story to talk about. So a few years ago, a, a friend of mine, his son committed suicide. And it's very close to this friend and family and in the process of this, praying with them and caring for them and doing what I can. And rather than have a big funeral, they, they have a little small, just family, a couple of friends, like eight, 10, 12 people there, a small little memorial service. And in this moment, this doesn't happen to me often, but I, I really felt the spirit of God give me something to share with this dad. Of course, I've been praying with them and been with them and sat with them and talked to them and cried with them. And I felt like God gave me something to share uh, to, to the father. And uh, I was kind of scared to do it. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. And I understand. I'm not suggesting you should ever say this to a person uh, because I was losing my mind as, as I felt this. Like, God, this is crazy. I don't know how he's going to respond. He might punch me if I say this. But um, I, I really had a strong impression telling him how much God loves him and how, how significant and special he is in the kingdom. And, and just as a side note, I want, want to be clear. I'm, I'm not suggesting at all that this was God's will that this happened. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life. God is good. But I also want to recognize that it's, it didn't catch God by surprise that it happened. God knew it was going to happen. And so at this memorial service, we had wrapped up and everybody's crying. And I, I go up to the father and I said, hey, I feel like I need to tell you this. And if it's, if, if it's wrong, just forgive me. But I want you to know how much God loves you, how special, how special you are, how significant you are in the kingdom of God. Like God loves you so much he chose you for this he chose you for this like he knew you would be just the right dad to love your son for this season i know there were things about it that were hard to instill the truth of god in him and to carry this pain and at the end of it still be able to give god glory i just i want you to know how much god loves you and how he sees you because he thought someone like you could handle this. And I'm thinking, you know, is he like gonna cuss me out or something? And he said, because it's a crazy thing to, to say like, God knew this would happen and, and it's by design. He said, you know, it's so funny that you would say that because I woke up this morning with that same thought that 
and just overwhelming gratitude for this assignment that God gave me, that God would choose me and trust me for a short amount of time to be his father, to love him. And I just, I feel grateful for the opportunity. How many of you know that's built different? When you can go through something that you would not choose and still consider it a privilege that God would count you worthy. That's built different. You can't get there if you don't first understand that God has given you an assignment. 